to Polite Politics. No one eater offer here. Taking it solo. And the date, July 19th, episode 19 of Polite Politics. There has been a lot in the news that has been going on, but I want to focus primarily on the passing of specifically two civil rights leaders that happened on Friday. We lost the Reverend C.T. Vivian. Cordy Tyndale, C.T. Vivian, died at the age of 95. And then John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, who died at the age of 80. He was battling cancer. And I would like to talk a little bit about these these two men in particular. I'm going to focus on John Lewis for a couple of reasons, but I do want to touch on C.T. Vivian, the Reverend C.T. Vivian. He was one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s first kind of backers and a key, not only, I would say, a a key advisor. So not only an early advisor, but a key advisor. He participated in the Freedom Rides alongside Congressman Lewis, who was not a congressman at the time, obviously. But he became the director, this is C.T. Vivian that I'm talking about, became the director of the National Affiliates for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He led a group of people to register to vote in Selma, Alabama. Selma obviously would become incredibly famous. There was, you know, the Edmund Pettus Bridge. That's John Lewis obviously works into that story. And and also with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they made the movie called Selma. And there was a sheriff there named Jim Clark who blocked the group. And C.T. Vivian, this was all caught on camera, said, We will register to vote because as citizens of the United States, we have the right to do it. Kind of wagged his finger in his face and told him that. And Sheriff Clark responded by beating the crap out of him. And... I was reading this article with CNN basically said that blood dripped off his chin in front of rolling cameras and the images helped galvanize wider support for change. He also created a college readiness program and later the uh, Department of Education actually used that as a guide to create a program called Upward Bound, which was designed to improve high school and college graduation rates for students in underserved communities. So the Reverend C.T. Vivian, obviously an incredibly important figure in the movement of civil rights, incredibly important to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was incredibly important on his own, and had a real calling, obviously, as as a minister and as somebody who fought for rights, not just through words, but through actions as well. And the bravery that it took to go to Selma and to register these people to vote. It's incredible, obviously, and taking the abuse, talk about police brutality now, taking that kind of abuse while cameras are rolling takes an incredible amount of of bravery and courage and strength. And he had all of those qualities and was fighting the good fight, as they say, up until he died again at the age of of 95. So I certainly want to remember and honor and respect this incredible figure in our civil rights movement and our country's history that 
doesn't get obviously as much acclaim as some of the other figures, but was certainly as an early and key advisor, as I mentioned to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was certainly an influential member of this movement. And what he said to Sheriff Clark about these people being citizens of the United States, I think rings just as true today as it did then. These people are citizens of the United States. And I say these people, and when I say that, I I mean people of color, people in underserved communities, people that are suffering right now from any kind of racism or bigotry or prejudice that people are facing, they have, as citizens of the United States, just as much rights as you or I enjoy. And that's important to remember. These are not second-class citizens. These are people who should enjoy the full protection of the law and should be able to access every right program, anything that we are able to take advantage of, these people should be able to take advantage of. That has not always been the case in this country, and it continues, as we see, to not be the case today. The importance of equality, the message of equality, Dr. King's dream, and making sure that we treat each other not just fairly but equitably, not just tolerance, but embracing each other, is all the more important with what we're seeing currently with the current discussions about police brutality, defunding the police, and all of those different things. The Reverend C.T. Vivian obviously fought for those principles, and... It is incumbent upon all of us, I think, not just those of us that are black or people of color, to continue to fight for equality. Seems simple enough for us to do. Certainly doesn't hurt us by helping to make sure that others are treated like ourselves. In fact, obviously, in the Torah, in Christianity... Treat your neighbor as you would want to treat yourself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Basically, the five words that I think are perhaps the most powerful five words that have ever been stated, ever. To want to live in a way where you treat people as though you want to be treated yourself. It is a kind of earth-shattering idea when you think about how maybe radical it seemed, I'm sure, at the time. But that is something that, honestly, it should be obvious for us to strive for. And even if we haven't been doing it as much or as we can, now we can. And now we should. Let's strive for better. Now I want to move on to Congressman John Lewis, who, as I mentioned before, died on Friday, the same day as Reverend C.T. Vivian. And 
he had been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and had a six-month battle with that. He had been diagnosed in December of 2019. There was something that Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, said in a statement that I want to share with you. She said, Today, America mourns the loss of one of the greatest heroes of American history, Congressman John Lewis, the conscience of the Congress. And there are a couple of reasons why this stands out to me. I want to go back a little further to some of Congressman Lewis's history. He survived a brutal beating during that landmark 1965 march in Selma, Alabama, in the Edmund Pettus Bridge, was a towering figure of the civil rights movement. He spoke at the historic 1963 march on Washington. He joined the Freedom Riders and was also a leader of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Some of those key moments in the civil rights movement the Freedom Rides, as I mentioned in 1961, speaking at the March on Washington in 63, the 65 March in Selma, Alabama, he faced taunts, beatings, dozens of arrests. He helped launch the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee as an offshoot of that Southern Christian Leadership Conference that was led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And they did sit-ins at restaurants. There was an unbelievable story about Congressman Lewis. He was engaged in a sit-in, and a restaurant owner turned a fumigating machine on him and one of his fellow protesters, and he said something, were we not human to him? And so that continued to inspire and lead him towards this path where then in 61 he was one of the original Freedom Riders. He became the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in 1963. So he was one of the head of basically these the big six leading civil rights organizations when they went to the March on Washington in 63. And he spoke right before King. He was the youngest of the big six and also one of the more militant, I guess you could say. There were a lot of things in his speech that would have angered a lot of people, and there was a lot of discussion and compromise in getting him to eventually change that speech. But give it, he did. He said that he thought that it had enough bite, and then obviously the I Have a Dream speech that everyone remembers so fondly from that day. 1965, as I mentioned before, they, they led the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, one of the first people that was hit was Congressman John Lewis. Before I give my personal thoughts on Congressman Lewis and going back to what Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, said about him being the conscience of Congress, Senator John McCain, who I feel like was the conscience of the Senate, called Congressman Lewis a personal hero and described his actions that day as exemplary of America's most basic dreams. In 2018, The Restless Wave, he said, In America, we have always believed that if the day was a disappointment, we should win tomorrow. That's what John Lewis believed when he marched across this bridge. And so the footage of the beatings that day pushed President 
LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson to action on civil rights, got the Civil Rights Act passed. And shortly after what happened in 65, Lewis lost the chairmanship of the SNCC to Stokely Carmichael, very famous for the phrase black power. And so then he kind of ended up going into politics, worked for, he worked on the campaign of Robert F. Kennedy. He was with the campaign at the Ambassador Hotel when Kennedy was shot and killed. And then in 1977, ran unsuccessfully for a House seat, was on the City Council of Atlanta. And then in 1986, ended up beating fellow activist Julian Bond, fellow civil rights leader. And he served as a congressman in Atlanta ever since. Over three decades of service in the United States Congress. And now this is where I want to go back to the fact that he was the conscience of the Congress. I don't think you could name too many people that had such level of respect on both sides in terms of the party. And he was such an, a towering figure and cast such a long shadow in everything that he had been through and everything that he had stood for. It really was amazing for him to be a part of this institution and to continue to try and better both the institution but also the country. As I mentioned what Senator John McCain, the late Senator John McCain said, he said he was a personal hero. And I believe that many people, regardless of the politics, certainly held him as such. He was also somewhat of a personal hero to me. I had the chance to meet him when I was in elementary school in Atlanta, came and spoke to us. I remember asking him a question about how and why people hate. It's not an easy question to ask, not an easy question to answer. But more or less, I'll say that his answer was the fact that he was talking to kids like us and that we were engaged and interested and wanted to help was the solution. It started with us, is what he told us, and that we could change the way that things were. Powerful words to speak to a group of kids who now, at least I did, felt that we actually could make a significant difference just in our everyday actions and everyday lives. I met him many years later when the Smithsonian Museum of African American History was opened. He had been given a, a kind of sneak preview, and I was at a, it was a Politico function where he was being interviewed about the experience. And I wanted to talk to him to to see him after the function, to say, hi, I don't know if you remember me, but a long time ago, back when I was in elementary school, you came and spoke to me, and it's so nice to be able to to see and listen to you speak again. And to appreciate more, because I was, was out of college, and I could appreciate the things that he did in a much more gripping way. He, he pretty much bounced right after the the interview was over 
so I thought I missed my chance. And I was walking out of the W Hotel where the event was, and there he was by his car talking with people and taking pictures, and I waited my, my turn and was able to, to shake his hand and give him a hug, which I did when I was a kid, told him a story and, and took a picture with him, and that's something that I will always appreciate and I feel like as a journalist, I, I certainly don't I don't like putting people on pedestals. I don't do it, and I tell others whenever possible not to do it as well because we're all human, and we should not be placing these people on a station above others. We should be treating people, again, as equals. And John Lewis was one of those more exceptions. I I had no doubt that if called upon to cover Congressman Lewis, I would be able to do so in a way that was objective, in a way that was fair, in a way that was right. But he was a very inspirational figure to me and so many others. Just as, again, I, I believe that there was such respect for Senator John McCain and everything that he went through as a war hero as somebody who was courageous and strong and brave and spoke truth to power in the Senate for as long as he did, Congressman John Lewis was very much the same. I I see them in similar fashion, though. Obviously, Senator McCain never had to deal with the, the racism and the police brutality and the things that Congressman Lewis had to deal with here at home, and I think Senator McCain is somebody who, when he was in the armed forces, was overseas fighting to protect the rights and the freedoms of the people of the United States, all of the people of the United States. He was fighting for the rights of people like a Congressman John Lewis. He was fighting for the rights of everyone, not just some people, and the fact that he was overseas fighting for their rights when people like Dr. King and C.T. Vivian and Congressman Lewis weren't getting to enjoy those rights at home was something that I know bothered Senator McCain, and so it's so easy to see why he called Congressman Lewis a personal hero. Losing Congressman Lewis is a massive blow. Losing Reverend C.T. Vivian is as well. Both men were awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest honor that our country can bestow upon a civilian, especially now where we have this period of racial turmoil and these deep wounds that have affected our country, that have been present at least since our country's, even before our country's founding, have been ripped open and exposed, and we are all now currently trying to figure out where we go from here. I think one of the most powerful things that I know that Congressman Lewis would want for this time and for all of us is that he would not want this to be a moment. He would want this to be a movement. 
And so in adopting change and inspiring the next generation, I think that is what he would want for those kids that he spoke to, such as myself. Now, as a journalist, I'm, I'm certainly not an activist. If anything, I'm an activist for, for truth and speaking truth to power. But for many others of my generation, I believe that this is a pivotal moment. And the legacies of the Reverend C.T. Vivian and Congressman Lewis are now being passed to that next generation, a generation that, from what we're seeing, is not content with little small victories and piecemeal wins. They want change, radical change, on the level of what Congressman Lewis was fighting for. Not the Civil Rights Act, but, well, perhaps it is similar to that. They want to be treated equally and equitably, something that I know we can all do even just a little bit better in our daily lives each and every day. For a country that is dealing with the racial turmoil and strife that we're dealing with right now, this is just such a blow to the African-American communities and the people that looked to them for hope, inspiration, and leadership. There's so much going on, obviously, as well in the news about the coronavirus and where we are as a country in dealing with it. We see more and more cases rising in the South and in the West. Among Western countries, it is just empirically a fact that we are not handling this as well as the rest of the world. We have failed to slow down this virus and to flatten the curve. We were doing good work, and then we let up. It's not that we had it beat, but we had things going in the right direction. And unfortunately, we've backslid, and we are all paying the price for that. It's important to continue to be healthy, to be safe, to protect yourself and protect others as we continue to fight this incredibly deadly disease so that we can get back to at least what was a sense of what is normal and return to somewhat of a normal life here in America. As we do every time we have the podcast, I want to share an uplifting story. Donations have surged nearly 50% in the first half of 2020. It's the most generous giving recorded in the history of one of America's largest philanthropic funds, and that is the Schwab Charitable Donors. They have been granting at a record pace to support impacted communities. So from January through June 2020, Donors earmarked over $1.7 billion in aid, marking a 46% increase in dollars granted compared to the same period last year. They doled out 330000 
separate grants, the fastest pace of growth in Schwab charitable history. In the last 12 months, Schwab noted that each generation, millennials, Generation X, baby boomers, and the greatest generation, they saw an uptick in giving from the previous year, granting on average between 7 and 13 times throughout the year. The most widely supported charities in America in fiscal year 2020 included Feeding America, Doctors Without Borders, The Salvation Army, and Planned Parenthood. The reason I bring that up is because I want everybody to appreciate that there is still so much giving and so much generosity and so much warmth and good in this world that people are willing to give not only their their efforts, their time, but also open up their wallets and give to people who, who need it. There's still so much good in this country, in these communities, and that philanthropy is certainly one aspect of that. It's one thing to give money. It's another thing to prove it through action. But giving money is indeed an action, and it certainly does help the cause that many people are going through, especially when it's something like Feeding America. I just want to leave you with that this week about the goodness of others and whether or not we can do more and give more, whether it is money, whether it is time. I would like and I would ask of you, just as I ask of myself, to give to friends, family, even strangers. Just give of yourself, of your time, of your emotion. Show somebody that you care and and just give, even if it's a little. The amount doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes or an hour or, you know, 10 bucks or 100. Let's give. Let's do that this week. Let's make this week a week of giving. I'd like to close the podcast by once again remembering the Reverend C.T. Vivian and Congressman John Lewis. May they rest in peace, and our thoughts are with their loved ones, their families, their friends. I'm Noah Niederhofer. The 19th episode of Polite Politics is in the books. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.